Well, I'm excited to jump back into our sermon series today through the book of Ephesians. We've been walking verse by verse through this book for a little over a year now. Um, And this has been a great tool for us to just get to know God better, know who he is, what he believes about the church, what he believes about the power of God. And we've been currently in Ephesians chapter 3. And this chapter right here is becoming one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We saw at the beginning uh, five weeks ago as Paul begins to enter into praying for the church. He says, now I, Paul, I come for this reason. And then he gets sidetracked. And we can relate. Sometimes we get sidetracked in our prayers, yeah? Maybe that's just me. But Paul got sidetracked and he said, you know what? Before I pray, I want to make sure that, that the people in Ephesus, the believers in that church, understand who they're praying to and why there's power in their prayer. And then he begins to break down who the church is and how, how we are the, the revelation of God's mystery to the world. Like if there were to be a puzzle and you see a bunch of the puzzle pieces all around the table, angels and demons were to, were to look at that and just say, man, I wonder what that picture is. I see a bunch of pieces, but, but what's it going to be? What is, what, what is it? The church is the picture of that puzzle. We're, we're the perfect revelation of God's mystery now revealed through his church. Paul reminds us of that in the early parts of Ephesians chapter 3. Last week we saw that Paul told us who the church was, but then he prayed for the church in Ephesians 3 verse 14 all the way through 19. He prayed that we would be strengthened in our inner being, that our inner man would rise up and be strengthened in the faith, and that we would know the height, depth, love, length, and width of the love of Christ. That we would know that deeply and intimately. Because when we're fascinated and in awe at his love for us, it motivates us. In another place it says it's the love of Christ that compels us to be the men and women that God has called us to be. And so now we approach the last two verses in Ephesians chapter 3. As Paul brings us into this doxology, this, this closing praise, this resound, this final stamp on his prayer. And that's where we'll be reading today. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 20 and 21. If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat from this word this morning and let's lift it up before we do that. Father God, we thank you for your word. For you alone are worthy. Now, Father, worthy God, speak to us today. Come on, church, join me in praying that prayer. Say, Lord, speak to me. Open my heart, God. Lord, don't let this just be another moment. Speak to our hearts today and give us revelation. Help us to not be distracted but locked in. Help us to be changed forever because of this moment. In Jesus Christ's name, for your glory, amen. Amen. Ephesians 3, verse 20 through 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I want to preach a message to you this morning that I'm titling The Legacy of God. The Legacy of God. Legacy is a popular word in our culture today. Everybody wants to leave a legacy, and I think that's a good motivation to have. I think we should want to leave a legacy. We should want to be known for something. The word legacy, by definition, 
is simply whatever you left behind to those who were coming behind you. The legacy is how you'll be remembered and what you gave to be remembered by. I remember watching the football game just yesterday, Alabama versus Georgia. It was a great game, and there was a guy who checked in at the end, Jalen Hurts, and he won the game in the last couple minutes, and the announcers kept saying, he's leaving a legacy. He's leaving a legacy. I want to ask this question. What's the legacy of God? What has God left for us, and how should we remember him? When we think about God, when you think about God, when you go to pray to God, what are the things that go into your mind about who you're praying to? These verses inform us in the right ways. Let's go ahead and just bring an exposition to these verses, kind of one word at a time. Does that sound good? If it sounds good, say, sounds good. Ephesians 3, verse 20. We'll pick it up. And this first word, now, jumps out to me. I love this word, now. Everybody say, now. 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 It's a good word for us to be reminded by. Maybe you don't know what the word now means. I'll give you a couple definitions for the word now. Webster's Dictionary defines now as the present time or moment. Now means now. Now means this present moment. Dictionary.com defines now as without further delay, immediately, at once. When I look back and I see this word now, I'm, I'm excited because I believe God wants to do something now, doesn't he? When I read the Bible, I see all types of cool things. I see Abraham and Jacob and Noah and Moses and Elijah and Elisha and Daniel and all these different prophets and miraculous moments, but how many of you guys know that God wants to do something now, amen? Like, I'm, I don't want to live in the, the miracles of yesterday. I want to see something now. I believe that God wants to do something now, and here's the cool thing. I believe he can, and he will if we trust him and hold him to his word. The apostle Paul says now, and he continues and tells us who he's talking about. Now, to him who is able. Let's look at the next couple words in this verse. Now, now to him who is able. If you survey the Bible, you'll find that God has a lot of different names laid out for us in the scriptures. From the Old Testament to the New, many scholars believe that, that God would give himself 20 to 30 different names. You'll see God known as the Lord of Lords or the King of Kings or Jehovah Jireh, which means my provider, or Jehovah Nisi, which means my healer, or, or Jehovah Rafi, right? All these different Jehovah names, or Elohim, or God of Yahweh, all these different names that God goes by in the scriptures. However, here, he's known as the one who is able. This name of the Lord, I think, is a beautiful name that sometimes we tend to forget. That we're talking about the God who is able. Maybe you don't quite understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the one who is able. Let's just go on a brief journey and refresh our minds and our hearts today of the one who is able. Just tell your heart real quick. Say, wake up. Because we're about to talk to the heart about the one who is able. Daniel chapter 3 
Verse 17 gives us this picture of these three guys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I call them the hot boys. And they're in the fiery furnace, right? And they're there, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, listen, I'm going to kill y'all if you don't bow the knee to me. And this was their response. They say, if this be so, our God whom we serve, come on, say it with me, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They, they believed that the God who is able is able to bring them even out of that circumstance. And I love what they said. If you want to read it later for some extra credit, do it. But they added on to that. And if he doesn't, he's still good. He's still God. But just so you know, king, he is able. He has the ability. Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 3. Here's what he says to them. He says, Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Don't fix your praise and attention on a specific person, even somebody so cool like Abraham. What Jesus is saying is God is able to do things even better than him. Amen? Speaking of Abraham, let's go ahead and look at Romans chapter 4, verse 20 through 21. Paul writes about Abraham's testimony. He says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced. Everybody say, fully convinced. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. God had the ability, and he still does, to do what he said he will do. We continue into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, talking about the hall of faith. Remember, Abraham was given this crazy radical calling to sacrifice his own son Isaac on the altar. Well, here's what the legacy of Abraham's remembered by. It says, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham went to that moment of a test in his faith, and he said, listen, I'm going to go up and do it, but here's what I know. Even if it happens... God is still able to raise him back to life. He's, his perspective was in a God who has the ability to do farther, more, bigger, better things than we can on our own. Amen? He is able. Now, maybe today you would say, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Hyden, but, but I'm stumbling. I, I, I'm, I'm suffering. I keep stumbling into sin. I have a verse for you today out of Jude verse 24. There's only one chapter. Jude verse 24 says it like this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. If that's where you're at, I keep stumbling, I keep stumbling, I keep stumbling. Let me give you an encouragement. He's able to keep you from stumbling. You need him. Amen? Amen. It's him. He is able. I'm going to clap with my brother right here because I need that reminder today. There's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, this little story that's kind of hidden in the Old Testament. It's about uh, this king who was kind of uh, stingy with his money, and he said, I only got 100 talents, $100 to my name. I can't give that to, to the Lord's work because if I do that, what's going to happen? Here's the, the text, 2 Chronicles 25 verse 9. It says, Amaziah said to the man of God, what shall we do about the hundred talents that I've given to the army of Israel? The man of God answered, the Lord's able to give you much more than this. It was this reminder that God's able, he has the ability, we shouldn't put limits on a God who's limitless, amen? We shouldn't put God in a box that he created. He doesn't fit. He's bigger than the box. He's outside of it. He's able. 
We continue looking at these verses together. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Maybe you know somebody who's not saved, that's not a Christian, and you're like, man, they're so far gone. I don't think they'll ever come back. I want you to put your faith in a God who is able. Consequently, he's able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I would encourage you to not give up to continue praying for those people that you love that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They may be super far, 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 far from God. There was a lady that came in here earlier this morning, and she just came in and she said, I need some prayer. I need some help. I'm having some issues with some people in my life that I love that are far from God. I said, stop right there. Let me remind you of him. Come on, right? Help me. Him who is able, right? He's able to save the uttermost. People that are far from him, don't give up on God. He won't give up on you. Now, maybe you'd say, well, that's fine, Pastor Hyde, and that's really cool, but I keep struggling with temptation. I feel like I just, I I do good in my walk with Jesus. I finally take a step, and then I get tempted, and I fall back down. I got a word for you this morning. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. The author of Hebrews writes it like this. He says, because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted tempted. You can approach the God who is able in your times of temptation, and you can know that you know that you know that he's able to help you. Praise God for that. Amen. Don't, do, we, do you ever need help, or is that just me? I feel like I always need help, but I'm confident in the one who can provide it. He is able. Let me give you one of my favorite promises in the Bible. We just sang about it. I, I know that God will stay true to his promise. By faith, he'll do it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Will you read this off the screen with me? Will you join me in reading it? Ready? One, two, three. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Point to the person next to you and say, to you. And the other side too, you too. You too. He's able to make all grace abound to you. If you're watching online, to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things... At all times, you may abound in every good work. The things that you feel like you can't do, you're probably right. But the one that is able can through you. He's able to make every good work. Name the good works. Well, maybe you're struggling to be the husband God's called you to be. Well, he's able to do that good work. He's able to do it. Maybe you're struggling to be the wife that you're called to be. He's able to do that. Maybe you're struggling to be the parent that God's called you to be. He's able to make you that parent because he's God. He's able. Maybe you're struggling to be the child and listen to your parents. Well, he's able to do that. Even Christ submitted himself under the authority of two earthly parents. He didn't have to do that. He's able to do that. Maybe you're struggling to be the friend that good works. All these things, he's able to make all that grace abound to you, brother, sister. He is able to to do it. Amen? Amen. We see that in the scriptures. I want you to do this. This is the legacy of God. Go to God and say, Lord, you left me all this ability. I'm tapping into you. I need to go to you. Now, maybe you would ask this question right here. You would say, what is he able to do? You say, you know what? I I get it, Pastor Hyden. You've taught me these three words. God is able. I get it. I believe you. I'm convinced. I'm fully convinced, as the text says, that God is able. What's he able to do? I'm going to show it to you. I hope that you're encouraged by it. He's able to do a few things that we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Let's look at this verse together. He's able 
to do. Praise God, he's an action God. Amen? He's not sleeping. He's alive and awake. He's a roaring lion. He's ready. He's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Here's, here, we have a temptation, church, watch this, to, to rush past these words, and it would be foolish of us to do so. Let me remind us of some of these definitions. We'll pull them up on the screen for you. God is able to do far. The word far. Let's, let's look at that. He's able to do more. He's able to do abundantly. He's able to do beyond. Let me show it to you on the screen. Let's go to that next slide. We'll put it up there for you. Far. A, a great distance. That's what he's able to do. See, you, you can only go so far. The reality is we're limited. Our stamina, we're like on the video game and our stamina is going down all day long. God's stamina is always 100. He's able to go far. He's able to go a great distance. Oftentimes we're a short distance type person. He's able to do far. Come on. He's able to do more. What does the word more mean? Everybody say more. 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 A greater amount or measure. We're limited, church. Our, our cap is like right here. When you go to God, you're able to do more. You're able to go farther. You're able to go more abundant. What does this word abundant mean? The word abundant, occurring in large amounts, well supplied, over sufficient, great in quantity. I was just making my son a, a, a bottle of milk. I grabbed the milk. I was pouring it. I think I got distracted. All of a sudden, it overflowed all over my hand and stuff like that. That's a picture of what God can do in your life. He's able to do more. He's able to overflow it to where it's spilling out of your life. This isn't, this isn't prosperity gospel. This is just who God is. This is just who he is. You can shortchange God or you can convince yourself of who he is. He's able to do far more abundant beyond, outside of limits or understanding. So maybe you're sitting here right now. And you're like, man, I don't even understand what he's talking about. Good. You can't understand it. You can't understand. Like, it goes beyond. It's beyond your understanding. Like, I don't even know. How can he do that? How can God do that? I know. It's beyond you. That's why we need him. There's stuff and circumstances in our lives that go beyond our limited resources and capacity and strength and energy. We're weak. We're broken vessels. But when we're with the one who is able, everything changes, doesn't it? When we're with the one who is able. He's, he's able to do far more abundantly beyond. I was reading some scholars. The Greek in the, in the, on, these, on these four words right here. The original Greek, it, it, it shows a, a funky phrase because this is the only time this uh, collection of words is used in the entire Bible. Many believe that Paul just kind of made this word up and jammed them all together. The Apostle Paul was writing this to the Ephesians. He's like, what could I use? What word could I use to describe how big God is? How big God is? And he goes, um, he's able to do far. Yeah, no, that's good. That's not enough. He's able to do far, far more. No, that's not enough either. He's able to do far more abundantly. They, these words don't even go together. He just put everything that, was, that he could into one sentence. He's trying to convince us that he's able. And I hope that you would be convinced this morning with whatever you're walking through that he's able to do more. You may be lied to by the enemy 
or by your own flesh or by people and that your story's over. Some of you are convinced like, yeah, my chapter's done. Like my, my, God's not doing anything more in my life. I want to remind you that God has the ability and he wants to do even more. Maybe you say, hey, well, show me that in the scripture. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you're 100. (laughs) Peter feels 100, right? And and someone was lying in the middle row, and God saw it. Yeah, you don't want to embrace that. Like, that was me. Like, that's not okay, right? Um, um, See, I'm reminded in the Old Testament when Abraham and Sarah were in their hundreds. And Sarah looked at Abraham and said, there's no way I could ever have a baby. I'm a hundred years old. And the angel showed up and, and he, he said, God's able to do more. There's more left in your story. If you trust me, and it said that Sarah laughed in her heart because God even knew what she was thinking. He said, I'm able to do more than that alone. I want to encourage you, Walk Church, to have a big God theology. What does that mean? When you think about theology is the right study of who God is according to his word. The word tells us that God is a big, big, big God. It's likely that you and I, our big God theology is likely not nearly big enough, that it needs to expand. The way we think about God needs to go wider. It needs to go deeper. It needs to go higher. It's bigger than this ceiling, brother, sister. It's who we're talking about when we're talking about God. Now, let me share some more good news with you. This is blowing my mind. As we look back at the verse, it says that he is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask. If this verse doesn't motivate you to pray, I don't know what would. When you recognize who you're talking to and that he's saying, I'm able to do more than what you ask. Why don't you bring it to me? Why don't you give it to me? James tells us you have not. Because you ask not. There's so much power in simply asking, isn't there? Just bringing it before the Lord. He just says, come before me and ask. One of these verses that sent, just typically just get pushed to the side, I need to revisit this often. It comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. What does he say? First word, say it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Praise God. What a good promise, and what a good reminder to just keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking God. He says he'll show up. Now, sometimes God's answer is yes immediately. Sometimes God's answer is no immediately. And sometimes his answer is not yet. Not quite Yet, it doesn't change his ability nor the calling on our lives to go to the one who is able. Amen? He's able to do more than what we ask. Now, maybe you would be here today and you would say, I get it, Pastor Hyden. He's able to do all that we ask and even more. But sometimes life gets so hard and the struggle gets so real that I can't even ask. I, I, I forget to even get down on my knees and just ask God. Sometimes the, the, the pain in my heart is so deep, I forget to even ask. I just think it, but I never ask it. I got some good news for you. Let's look back at our verse. He says that he's able to do all that we ask or think. He's got you covered on your thoughts too, doesn't he? 
He's able to do that as well. God is able to do far more abundantly than what you ask. And even those undisclosed, unnamed prayer requests, I don't want anybody to know about it. It's just between me and God and my, and my heart and my thoughts. He's able to do far more than even what you think. That's the type of Godfather that we have together. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Just so you know, God is able. He's, he's right there when it comes to your mind, your thinking, and your heart. Sometimes he'll even test the mind. Sometimes God tests the mind just to see if we're the real deal, just to see if your faith is where it needs to be. And a test shouldn't discourage you. The test should encourage you to go to the one who's able. The test should show you, man, I need to, my faith needs to be in a God who's even bigger than my circumstance. He is able. I'm saying that quite often because I want you to know that when you pray, that your mind goes to the one who's able. I need to be reminded of that often. The thing that's wild about this verse is that it's such good news that the good news can also be the bad news. You say, what does that mean? How could that work? Well, here's how it works. Failure to take advantage of Ephesians 3 verse 20 should shame on us. The bad news is God's able and we don't do it. That he has a whole parking lot in heaven of storages of stuff he's able to do. And our prayer lives are so weak. He's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Think about the person who doesn't know God. Think about all that they miss. People go through life for years and decades not knowing the one who's able. What if they did? What if you introduced them to the one who's able? Psalm 14, David writes in the psalm, he says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. What makes that person foolish? I think what makes that person foolish is the reality of all that they miss when they miss out on God. They miss the Savior in Jesus. They miss all that he has, his ability. They miss why they were created in the first place. All of us are created in the image and likeness of God and we're created for the glory of God. And so we, we have these promises for us, brother, sister, and these, these promises should inform the way we think. Let me just give us a few quotes before we close out today. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want to encourage you, walk. When you think about God, think big. When you think about God, think high. When you think about God, don't put limits on him. He's able. What comes into your mind when you think about God, think bigger than even that. A.W. Pink, this revivalist, says it like this. He says, this is good for us. He says, happy the soul that has been awed by a view of God's majesty. A big God theology will encourage your soul. You know why? Because you'll go through the day knowing he's able. And I know him. And I know him. And we're tight. We're close. We got a relationship. He's going to take care of me. If you have a small view of God, you'll always be discouraged. You'll never feel like you'll make it. You'll never feel like you have enough. You'll always be on the verge of, will it come through? Will it not come through? Will it happen? Will it not happen? Have a God-sized view of himself. He is 
able. Amen? Amen. R. Kent Hughes says it like this in his commentary. He says, the God to whom Paul makes these requests has a capacity that exceeds the people's capacity of asking or even imagining. He is able to do more than you can even ask or think. Finally, one more word from author, Pastor John Piper. He says it like this. He says, if you don't see the greatness of God, then all things that money can buy become very exciting. If you can't see the sun, you'll be impressed with a street light. He says, if you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. He goes on to say, and if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with the world of shadows and short-lived pleasure. The reality is, God is bigger than all that, and he's able to do more than all that, and he's more beautiful than all that, and his glory shines brighter than all of that. This Christmas, do not miss who God is. He's a good, good father, and he's a big, big God. Amen? We continue in this verse. We're only on one verse, y'all. We're almost done. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Let's go ahead and finish it up. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Wow, this is good. According to the power that works within us. This power, it's not in some foreign land. You don't got to travel a whole long way to get to it. This power is in us. I got to confess something to you, church. God convicted me recently. He said, can you stop asking me on Sunday to come down? Can you stop asking me to show up? He said, I'm already here. God was like, I'm here before you get here. I'm here at church waiting. Like, are y'all coming? God's like, hey, you can stop asking. Come, Lord, come. And he's like, I'm right here. I've been here. I'm bigger than you. I'm greater than you. I think he wants us to acknowledge him. For us to just say, God, thank you for being so close to us right here. Manifest your presence before us here. You are Big, big God, and you're here, and I'm loved by you, and I'm with you. I want to just worship you in this place. According to the power, this dynamite power, this dunamis power, the, 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 the power, the Acts 1-8 power, the power is from the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us. Did you know, listen to this, church, did you know the same power that rose Jesus from the grave it's at work in us. That's like th there was a Holy Spirit that showed up where, where Jesus' dead body was, breathed into him, and he got up. That same power is in us. That's why you have the ability to do more because that same power is in us. That's why you have to continue to get out of the way so you can have the power of Christ live through you. I'll take you back a year. Ephesians chapter 1, when we were in the first chapter, Ephesians 1 says it like this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. And if that's you today and for the first time, you need to say, yeah, I believe in him. You need to be filled with his spirit. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. A, a sealing, amen? Not opening up. This is the down payment from God of his return. He said, one day I'm, I'm going to come back and I'm going to save everything and change everything and begin a new heaven and new earth. But until then, I'll send you my Holy Spirit 
and you'll be sealed with the Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the promise and praise of His glory. That same power lives in us. We're able because He's able and He's in us. Is that good news? Do you believe? Do you receive it? Let that, let that soak your mind up. Let your mind be, like if your mind's a sponge and your heart's a sponge, dip your mind and your heart in these verses. In Ephesians 3.20, he's able. In Ephesians 3.21. Let's wrap it up with this last verse. Jason, you can come up and uh, play for us as we get ready to close. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think this verse 21, it speaks for itself in a lot of ways. Paul is putting the final doxology on his prayer, this this closing praise, and he says, it's God's power, therefore it's God's glory. Let's not touch the glory, amen? The fact that God's able should lead us to say his glory. That's why we sing, oh, come let us adore him, and not, oh, come let us adore us. But let us adore him, for he alone is worthy. We give you all the glory. You're stronger. You're bigger. To him be the glory here at Walk Church, amen? Let's be a church that glorifies God above all things and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the legacy of God. It'll go beyond you and I. It'll go to the next generation and the next generation because he's able to do it. Let's pray.